Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's 8 floors up. That's like 8 times 8. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Freeman, joined by my co-host, Alan Sterk. Today, we are looking ahead to the offseason for the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to talk about some possible cap cuts. We'll also talk about some of the recent rumors and reports of the visits of uh, two free agent defensive linemen to Atlanta. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Alan, uh, let's jump right into the, the possible cap cuts. Um, probably not going to be as sort of uh, up in the air offseason as we've seen the last couple of years where a couple of guys were um, on the bubble, but we weren't sure which way the team would lean. There's a couple of guys that are definitely on the bubble, and I think most people sort of assume that at least one of those guys is going to get cut. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll concede you the floor to, to start us off. I remember the last two years, there's just so many players that you could consider for cut cuts. Like I remember when I was with the Falcon, I started up in 2015, I was running about Lock and Harry Douglas, and potentially Tyson Jackson. Funny, two years later, Tyson Jackson is still on the team, and we'll definitely be talking about him. But then obviously with Roddy last year and William Moore, and we had a bunch of just players, and now it's kind of slimmed down. I guess that's what happens when you start winning in – coming successful, especially with this young roster, you can't really decipher who's going to be released, who's going to stay, who's going to get re-signed because all these players are young and they have a lot to prove. So I think there are three obvious choices, especially given that there are about, what, 16 free agents for the Falcons? That's, uh, that number sounds right, but I, I don't know officially. It's, it's around their area. That's yeah. what I remember. So that is why... The list could also be somewhat smaller when you look at players like Babineau and Freeney that are older, even though I think if they still had another year, I wouldn't assume that the franchise will let them go. Maybe Babineau, even though that would be very cruel, but maybe they keep him, who knows. But we have we have three names that are, I think are pretty clear. Although, Iron, I know you have a few that are kind of outside the box. Yeah, I think they deserve to be discussed. I don't think they're actually going to get cut. But, uh, uh, you know, the Falcons sort of – have this tendency to come out of left field with, with a move here or there that's a little unexpected. And maybe this year uh, those two players might be the move. Who's going to be Jonathan Massacoy? Yeah, <laughs> the great Jonathan Massacoy. We starting off with Dirty Money? Yes, uh, I think he's the most obvious uh, candidate to get cut. Uh, his cap hit coming up in 2017 is $5.85 million. The Falcons could save $2.65 million against the 2017 cap by cutting him uh, before the offseason starts. Isn't it kind of fascinating that the team actually asked him to restructure his deal, according to Vaughn McClure? Yeah, it's interesting to me because the Falcons typically have not been a team that sort of restructures deals because they're a team that their cap approach is, tends to be a little bit more um, let's not kick money down the road and get ourselves in the cap 
uh, problems down the road. And so we'll just cut a guy and we'll take the dead money hit this year and, and usually not spread it out um, for next year. But uh, if they do do that with Tyson Jackson, that would be potentially um, adding cap consequences further down the road in 2018 and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see if the Falcons do that. They asked Paul Soyai to do that last year, and I don't think it worked out too well for Soyai. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting with the numbers. And solely, I think, rightly assumed that his market on the open market would be better than what the Falcons wanted him at. I don't know what that number is, but uh, he got a decent contract from Carolina. Um, unfortunately, he just got cut because he got a decent contract from Carolina. But uh, I don't feel like Tyson Jackson's market is going to be as strong as a guy like Soli Eyes. But um, you know, you never know. There's always teams looking for three, four um, DNs that can stop the run. I think he played 311 snaps this year. The fact that he's going to make 5.8 million, there's just no way they could do that. So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I just can't believe they're actually trying to find a way towards keeping him. It's like, you really want to keep him around? You know, last year I thought they were going to cut him. I, I thought it was a foregone conclusion that he would get cut last year. They did not. Um, his cap hit last year, I, I don't think was about, was about the same of what it's going to be in 2017. So they figured a way to do that. Um, so it's not out of the realm of impossibility that they could do it uh, a second year in a row. Wasn't it about four million last year? I thought it was like six million last year. Oh man, what? Oh, I thought it, I, I could be I could be wrong though. I think you're wrong about that. I think it's like four billion. You want to check quickly? Yeah, let's do that. Because I remember looking at what's the website SpotRack? Spotrack, yeah. Spotrack, okay, and. Look at the numbers. I think it was like four point two five million. No, six point three five million. They kept him on their. Oh man. Yeah, <laughs> his base sa- his base salary was four point two five million, but his cap hit was six six something. Oh, okay. All right. Well, okay. That's what I meant to say then. Okay. His his base salary. Uh, I was about to say if his base salary was what was it six point what? Six point three five. I was to say people thought Muhammad Snooze contract was the most <laughs> insulting thing on the roster. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. His his base salary was 4.25, but yeah, basically his cap hit is actually lower this year. So they actually have incentive. They can they can argue um that it's more worth keeping him now than it was last year. I don't know. Wow. Well, uh he's out, his name's going to be up in the headlines the next week for I know it's rare to see Tyson Jackson's name in the headlines, but we'll keep a close eye on because you would assume they would make these moves soon. Yeah, you would you would think um, the combine is late this year, so I I would imagine that they'll do something right after the combine. Seen teams with the Giants and the Panthers clean house already. Yeah, it's um, they made their moves last year pretty early. Uh, you know, I don't know if that will be a repeat of uh, you know with the Willie Moe and the Durant cuts. Um, I don't know if we'll see that again this year since they haven't made them so far. Yeah, they were so active because then Roddy was, I want to say, mid-February. And then obviously Soliai was late February. Because I remember that Soliai news leaked on like a Saturday night. I was pretty bummed out. I actually think Roddy was like the first the first or second of March. Oh, wow. Yeah, March 2nd. Soliai was March 9th just because technically. That was uh, official though. Like yeah, that yeah. Leaked, that was late February. Yeah, you're right. It was late February. Yeah. Yeah, Roddy was March 2nd. And if you remember 2015, 
it was just a bundle of cuts on that Friday. You had Blaylock, Douglas. That, that I remember running on the treadmill and then checking my phone and seeing Mascoy got cut. I was like, what? This is a PR stunt. That has nothing to do with talent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the Jackson cut got leaked on the 26th of February, and then the official cuts of uh, Douglas Blaylock and Massacoy were the 27th. Forgot about Steven Jackson. Oh, man. Right. I think you, you, you got blocked because of that move. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah pretty oh, much. Man. Next player is Brooks Reed, who's owed $5 million this year, I believe. And based on his playoff performances... He made a pretty strong case to stay in another season. Now, in 2018, he'll be owed 5.4, and I think that's probably kind of pushing it. So who knows? If, if they obviously keep building through the draft, that's been their whole mindset. You want to keep bringing these young pass rushers. Maybe they keep Reed one more year to let these players come in slowly, let them play 400, 500 snaps rather than put them right into the fire and make them play 800 snaps. Keep a player like Reed who can play 400, 500 snaps, you get that good balance down, especially after the whole Super Bowl debacle. Yeah, it definitely makes more sense from my perspective that Reed gets approached about a contract restructuring just because I think it's obvious that he does have a, a legitimate role with the team uh, next year over a guy like Tyson Jackson. But, um, you know, I think Brooks Reed probably could legitimately in the same vein of, of solely I say no to a pay cut just because I think there are teams that are looking for uh, a competent um, starting 3-4 outside linebacker that proved some versatility this year by playing uh, some D-end as well. So, um, yeah, I think this is an interesting move. This is sort of the one that's a little up in the air. It makes sense for the Falcons to cut him because of uh, that cap hit of, as you said, over $5 million. It's just too much for a, a role player, even a valuable one, as Reed proved this past season. But, um, you know, if you can get him maybe under two million, you know, two, two and a half. Good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, that like that's sort of the max of where you want him at. And like that's sort of where you would want to bring him at. But I think if Brooks Reed is if the Falcons came to him with a say, like, you got to slash your, your salary in half. I think he'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I think I can get five million or more on the open market from somebody. They kept Tyson Jackson for four million last year. I think keeping Brooks Reed for five million is not a big crime. It's not. No, I mean, yeah, you're right. Pretty much everything second to that <laughs> Tyson Jackson. Yeah, last year is uh, is is uh, is uh, you can pallet it. I know Reed's not the prettiest player to watch. Doesn't make those splashy plays, but he was very efficient in the latter part of the season. And with Claiborne going down, I thought he stepped up the most. Even though he's not as versatile as Claiborne, but in terms of bringing pressure off the edge, they did a nice job. And let's not forget, Philip Wheeler is a free agent, and Freed has to slide in a bit on the strong side. He could do that as well. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think this is what happens with Brooks Reed is going to tell a lot about what the Falcons' plans are at uh, defensive end this offseason. Obviously, Freed's a free agent, Claiborne's. Um, rehabbing and, and basically will miss most, if not all of the off season. So you're basically looking at Vic Beasley who may or may not make a move, play a little bit more linebacker this year than he, he did last year. Um, so you're kind of 
devoid of any sort of DN. So if the Falcons plan on going big into free agency to, to fix that position, address that position, then I think it makes a lot of sense to cut Brooks Reed. But if the Falcons are a little hesitant and tentative exactly what they're going to do and may want to wait till the draft, then I think it makes a lot more sense to keep Brooks Reed on um, for the time being. Got to resign Courtney Upshaw. Yep, and that's also up in there. You, you can make an argument that uh, among all the Falcons free agents, pending free agents, Upshaw probably will have the best market of anybody that um, that won't necessarily be signed by Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. I think Kamal Ishmael is a strong case. I, I would agree with you on that, just but only because typically guys that end the season on injured reserve typically have very poor markets unless they're superstars. Yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. Uh, I don't agree with that, but that's one of the NFL's bizarre philosophies. Yeah. Sim- sim- similar to, like, the undersized D-tackles. Yeah. I mean, I think Ishmael could get a decent uh, offer, but it probably will have to wait till like, the second or third wave, like late March, early April type of thing. So I do feel like it's it's, you know – the injury sucks for him because it's going to limit his money, but I, I think it helps the Falcons because it would be a lot easier to retain him. The Falcons could somehow re-sign him and Weatherspoon. That would be very ideal, but if Ishmael wants to pursue another opportunity, who could blame him? Yeah, I mean, he, he his play um, certainly would garner at least a chance to compete for a starting job somewhere, which he, he probably won't get in Atlanta. I would say definitely not kind of later. Yeah, you know, I was I was trying to be uh, judicious, I guess is the word, but uh, nah, you're right. Yeah. Last player is Anne Levitri, owed $6.6 million. Pretty hefty contract, but given the uncertainty at right guard, you would assume they want to keep some sort of stability at left guard. Yeah, I mean, the the attractive thing with Levitri is that you could save almost $4 million against the cap by cutting him. So you're basically saying, like, if I can get a decent starting guard for less than like 2.5 million, which is about what Chester played for last year. Um, it's kind of worth your while from a financial standpoint, but I think you're right just because of the, the openness at the right guard position. I do think the Falcons are going to, um, probably enter the off season sort of looking at Garland and Schweitzer as legitimate options there, as opposed to what a lot of people are suspecting in the the Falcons going after one of these big name free agent guards there. But, um, uh, yeah, I think, you know, you're, you feel a lot better if you have some stability on that, um, offensive line and you can retain 80% of your starters as opposed to 60%. Well said he's owed 8.3 in 2018. So unless they restructure his contract, I think he's like goner in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're the Falcons, I, at least in my the way I sort of envision it, your plan is okay. We'll we'll have Garland, we'll have Schweitzer compete for that open right guard spot. We'll draft somebody young as well, and then whoever wins that right guard spot, presumably if they can play at a, a competent to a good level this season, he'll stick there. And then you know the loser of that battle will compete with the rookie next year to replace Andy Levitre at left guard. So I, I think that's the sort of long term plan. But we'll see if the Falcons follow suit on that. I would hope the Falcons draft the guard. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think it makes a lot more sense long, especially given that you have a lot of money tied up in, in 60% of your offensive line with Schrader, Mack. I know, Alan, you're a little skeptical of him, but I think Jake Matthews is going to get a hefty deal from the Falcons uh, a year and a half from now. So, um, 
yeah, you're going to have a lot of money. And so it makes a lot more sense financially long-term to sort of invest in young, cheap draft picks at guard. Because we saw what happened in 2013, all the blow up when they cut Tyson Claybo, star Lamar Holmes that blew up in their face. Pierre Kahn started. Garrett Reynolds was starting. Just they insert so many young players into starting positions, and uh, the whole season just <laughs> blew up in their faces. But look, uh, big situation here, given that the offense line is pretty much solidified, both tackle spots, center. So you can't quite make that comparison, but. I don't want to see two young guards starting because I think that could cause a bit of a disturbance. Yeah, yeah. I think, the, you know, on to that point, you want to ease these guys in. And, you know, if you can get one starting this year and then not have to start another one until next year with Mac and, and Matthews and Schrader presumably being sort of the, the pillars of your offensive line, then um, I think you're much more um, – open to the idea of having some youth on the inside. If, if those guys now have a little bit more experience, um, you know, can sort of get a red shirt year behind Levitri at, at the, at a, at the very minimum. So yeah, I think it's the best strategy. Who are the two players you want to mention? Uh, yeah. As I mentioned at the top of this show, I think they're sort of out of left field, but I think they at least deserve discussion. Um, don't think they will be cut, but uh, they are Adrian Claiborne and Matt Bryant. Now, with both of these guys, the reason why I want to, I think they're worth mentioning is both of them, at least according to Spotrack, uh, have roster bonuses due on the fifth day of the league year, uh, which is, I think, March 13th. Um, Claiborne's is 500,000. Matt Bryant's is 800,000. Basically, if there's any chance that the Falcons cut those guys, it's going to be before that those roster bonuses hit. You look at Claiborne's cap hit of $5.4 million, you could potentially get rid of almost all of that by saving $4 million against the cap by cutting him before that uh, roster bonus hits. And, uh, you know, the only reason I mentioned Claiborne is simply because um, last year we saw the Falcons sort of have an aversion to guys that were injured at the end of the year and just sort of not like those guys. I don't think that would be the case with Claiborne, but in the same sort of, you know, he's coming off an injury. We saw on Von McClure's recent report that his rehab is going to be five months, which puts him uh, pretty much out for the entire off season with maybe the exception of the mandatory mini camp in uh, June as when he might get a chance to participate. And if the Falcons are serious as some people hope they are with completely overhauling their uh, defensive line, uh, rotation and, and may go out and get a guy like um, Melvin Ingram or whoever, um, then it sort of makes sense that you might want to move on from Adrian Claiborne at this at, at his price tag. I don't know. Highly unlikely. That, I, I really dispute that just because they seem to really value Claiborne and he has one year left on his deal. If he suffers another serious injury, I think that's when you realize that this isn't going to work out. So, And I don't see Melvin Ingram as a Falcon. I don't think they're going to drop serious cash on edge rusher. So to be once again, build through the draft and see what, what these pieces, how they're going to fit on the D line with Claiborne Shelby. Uh, yeah. If I'm, I'm being honest, Alan, I think what you just said is probably what's going to happen, but I just figured it's worth mentioning as a, as a discussion point. So if we get to a point come March, that first week of March, and this comes out of left field, it's not as if it was completely, um, you know, unknown possibility. And Quinn likes to make 
he hasn't publicly admitted, but you get the impression that he tries to use a couple of players like he did in Seattle, Keanu and Cam Chancellor, easy comparison. And Claiborne's kind of like the poor man's Michael Bennett, as some have said. So I think that's another reason why they value Claiborne so highly. Fair enough. Fair enough. As I said, I don't think it's going to happen, but I figured it's worth at least mentioning. And Matt Bryan, he's one of the eight kickers that are very reliable, so don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is only just because um, the Falcons signed a kicker to the future contracts. Uh, you know, they're obviously thinking about the future with Matt Bryant. Maybe, it's, you know, there's a chance. I don't know. Matt Bryant says, yeah, I'm done. Um, and he doesn't want to play football anymore. And the Falcons say, okay, if you if they tell him that in the next two weeks, then there's a chance that he might uh, get cut. I, I don't think it's likely. I, I do think, you know, his cap hit is like $3.1 million. They could save most of that, 2.75 by cutting him. Um, if, you know, I don't think the Falcons would um, – get rid of Matt Bryan unless he wants to, to walk away. But uh, there's a chance that the Falcons may be thinking that they could save, uh, you know, a couple million there and go cheap at that spot. Um, maybe, I don't know. 1% chance of that happening. I guess. It would be the most controversial cut since Sean Abraham. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because like at the end of training camp last year, uh, I think there was a lot more people that are much more open-minded to cutting Matt Bryant uh, because of the great Shane Graham. But uh, well, Brian had a couple of glaring misses in 2015. Then he got injured, so I think it was a, they make a strong case. But 2016, he missed what an extra point and maybe two field goals, and one of those field goals was from 56 yards against the Chargers. Look, you're not going to get me to uh, make a case for cutting Matt Bryan. He's my boy, but um, I'm just saying, like it's a he's everybody's boy. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, like in. It's, some people jumped off the Matt Bryant bandwagon last August. I never jumped off, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's worth mentioning. People couldn't get enough of Nick Rose. <laughs> there was a, there was a lot of Nick Rose hype last year, last summer. Let's get into the two players that have been attracting some interest in Atlanta, or at least within Twitter. Yes, uh, two recent uh, cuts. Uh, we know Earl Mitchell, the former Miami Dolphins defensive tackle, is visiting Atlanta, at least Atlanta's one of his scheduled visits, I think, this week, later this week. And uh, there's been some talk about maybe the Falcons will make a, a run at Jared Odrick, who was just recently cut by the Jaguars. Um, I know your boys at the Falcoholic, Allen, uh, made the connection between Odrick being on the Falcons' radar um, in the 2010 draft uh, that Dimitrov called Odrick's agent when they were about to be on the clock at pick 19, saying that they were going to take Odrick at that point. They didn't. They took Sean Weatherspoon. Odrick wound up falling to um, Miami, uh, not coincidentally, um, at pick 28 later in the first round. Um, and so maybe the Falcons will dust off that old six-year-old um scouting report and also see that Audrick played in a similar scheme in, in Jacksonville and say, Hey, he, this guy can add some value to us um, as an inside outside player, maybe as a possible replacement for Tyson Jackson. To me, they have enough of those players with Shelby and Claiborne, those somewhat hybrid. I know Audrick's like 295 pounds. So he's bigger than both Shelby and Claiborne, but it's me. I don't see why the Falcons need another one of those players. And Audrick's coming off a serious injury. Never thought he was that good to begin with. And I, I assume he would come in kind of a, not a hefty price, but at least a mid-level price. And 
I just don't find it necessary. And there have been a couple of rumblings about the way he rehabs and not being a locker room disturbance, but the franchise didn't exactly appreciate some of the things that he did. And I certainly don't appreciate him bullying Mike Renner last August. That, that's our boy right there. So that, that's another morale downgrade for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All good Can't points. Can't mess with Mike Renner. The only point I would disagree with on is uh, I'm not as sort of sold on, on Claiborne and Shelby this year. Claiborne, not so much. It's the only issue is, you know, when is he going to come back? And I guess, it, you know, I'm not too concerned over his his return. But uh, I do wonder if his role is going to be reduced this year. Um, with Shelby coming off the Achilles, you know, there aren't that many Cam Wakes in the world that can just sort of bounce back from an Achilles tear, especially when you consider a guy like Shelby, who you could argue one of the reasons why he got off to the slow start in Atlanta was because he was a little overweight. Um, so I don't know how much I would put in the Derek Shelby basket in terms of his contributions this year. Like if he does contribute at a high level, then that's great. But I just wouldn't count on it at this point in time. But look, they paid him to contribute at a pretty high level. So to me, if you want to value the signings and what Jared Audrick brings to the table, it's like, I just think there's better options out there, whether you want to draft a player or potentially make a signing. I just I don't see a 29-year-old coming off a serious injury who's never really produced as a passer. Maybe you want to bring him in for base packages, but I think he's going to command a bigger price than some would expect. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, you know, whether Audric is is the option to to fill those roles, those voids, potentially, I would be a little skeptical, like you are. I do think he'll probably command a decent price tag, given that he was paid six zillion dollars from the Jaguars, and you know, at at this point in his career, I doubt he's going to play for under market deal. He doesn't strike me as that type of dude. So. um yeah, I, I would sort of be a little skeptical of whether Audric is, is the guy to replace him, but I do think maybe um, the Falcons do look at somebody who fits that sort of Audric mold of being an inside-outside option to give them a little bit of insurance in case Shelby is not all all the way back from injury. Earl Mitchell I found I find a bit more intriguing, but injuries have plugged in the past years. I think he's missed a combined 11 games, and with the emergence of Jordan Phillips, you have Sue there as well. I was talking to my buddy Greg, who's a Dolphins fan. He was basically telling me that Mitchell just didn't fit anymore. They didn't want to pay him because they're just so crowded at defensive tackle. And they actually might make a run at Brandon Williams, which I found very fascinating considering how much money they've tied into Sue. So I guess we'll see what happens there. But Mitchell seems like a decent player. But, again, I don't know if you want to prioritize towards signing him. But... At 29 years old, maybe he'll be a bit more cheaper compared to Audric. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We and all defensive tackles. Are, I think, at least for depth purposes, a uh, much more critical need. I agree with that. Um, you know, the Brandon Williams thing is fascinating to me, just because it's like, yeah, you have Jordan Phipps, Phillips. Why are you signing Brandon Williams? But that's a conversation for another day. Miami uh, going to Miami. Yeah, it's Miami going to Miami. I guess. Um, you know, they they got money, so they're going to spend it, uh, even if it doesn't make sense. But that might just be a rumor. My buddy Greg, um, he's a fan, so he just told me about it. Like, no, I, I saw it, the rumor uh, too. I, oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, it was, just, someone I, tweeted it. I can't remember who it was, but someone tweeted. Maybe it was like Rappaport or, or Albert Breer or somebody like that tweeted that 
they heard that Miami was thinking about making a run at uh, Brandon Williams. And they just paid Wake too, so it's like, wow. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, as for Earl Mitchell, um, yeah, I think, you know, Earl Mitchell two years ago, I think probably would have been like, yeah, let's, let's jump all over him. You do wonder a little bit about the injury issues. You do wonder a little about the age. He has had a history of sort of being, um, a high potential, but never quite living up to that potential. You, you go back to his days in Houston, um, when he played, I think they were, was Wade Phillips, the DC then I can't remember, but, um, I want to say that Phillips was, and they were always like, Oh, Earl Mitchell's about to take over for whoever their nose tackle was at the time. Somebody, I can't think of it, Sean Cody or somebody like that. Um, and you know, then he went to Miami and it was like, Oh, he'll blossom into the player that we always thought he would be. And then of course now Miami is like what two off seasons in a row about to spend a, a buttload of money on D tackles. So uh, that does speak somewhat to sort of Earl Mitchell, not living up to the hype. Uh, I think with Mitchell, you know, he's played a lot more nose slash one technique in his career. I think he gives you a little bit of versatility that you can move Grady Jarrett to the three tech in in the base defense. Um, also give you some guy that can add some value on, on passing downs more so than um, some of the other options the Falcons have had at D tackle in recent years. Um, so I think he'd be a worthwhile signing. It would really sort of depend on price tag at, at this point, given his age and injury history, you don't want to, you know, commit like five million a year or something to him. Like if you get him for like a two or three year deal for you know something somewhere between what we gave Babineau a couple of years ago and um, I, I can't think of what, where the ceiling is, but something considerably less than what we gave Tyson Jackson a couple of years ago, then I think that it'd, it'd be a worthwhile move. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I would sign Earl Mitchell and be like, oh, we're done at D tackle at that point. I'm not sure if you accept it because he has opportunities in Denver, Seattle, and San Francisco. How about one year prove it deal? If, if the offer is there, look, it worked out with Claiborne. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like it's one of those things where it's like you structure it similar to a Claiborne deal, like we did last year with the two year deal we gave Claiborne last year, where it's basically a one year deal that you can get out of after year one if you want to, but. As we see with the Claiborne deal we just discussed, like you can pay him a a, a modest, a reasonably modest salary in, in the year or two, and not feel like you're um, cheaping out on it. So I, I think that's something worth offering to Mitchell. Whether he accepts, as you said, um, remains to be seen because it does seem like a, a number of teams are interested in him, and that usually means whoever comes with the best offer usually wins such bidding wars. But we'll see if the Falcons um, are in the mix. I think he's a good complimentary piece, but I, if they sign him, I hope it doesn't ruin other plans. Like, I really want to see them either sign a premium player at that position or draft somebody early to mold to the future. I don't want them kind of risking whatever, 500, 600 snaps on him and just kind of throwing a prayer saying, oh, we don't really need to spend heavy on defensive tackle or we don't need to invest in draft picks. To be, I think they... Not desperately, but I really would like to see them either make a high impact move or draft somebody for the future. Yeah, I think that if if you're signing Mitchell, then I think the value of that is now you don't feel like you have to use the number one pick on a D tackle. Like I think some people think at this point they kind of do um, without sort of free agency 
coming in um, as their biggest need. So it's like, okay, well, if there's a good D tackle there with the number one pick at pick 31, it's worth us pulling the trigger on him. But if not, then we can sort of wait till the second or third round and still get a decent player at that spot to, to build towards the future. So I, I think that's the value of signing a guy like Mitchell um, as opposed to someone, you know, waiting, I guess. Cool. Uh, is there anything else involving potential players? That's about it. No, I think this is a uh, pretty straightforward. So, you know, yeah. As our boy Charles said, it's Vaughn McClure season. So we'll be staying up to date with him, what he's reporting. Usually he's very active at this time of year. He gives us information about potential signings and what players could be released. Like I, so I mentioned that Hakeman's played himself into the good graces of the coaching staff, which isn't surprising. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add. You know, I've been on the Hageman bandwagon since September. So, yeah, that's, that's one of the few things you've gotten right. All three of them. Uh, it should be worth mentioning. I guess Von McCoy did mention the Falcons might be interested in Terrell McLean, the D tackle from Dallas. This is about the time where he, he dropped Muhammad Sanu's name for the first time. He sort of laughed it off last year. Uh, he also it, dropped Travis Benjamin. Thing. Yeah, he dropped the Sanu thing in the Benjamin piece that he wrote around this time last year. So it was like, oh, yeah, they'll get Benjamin. They won't get Sanu. But, uh, you know. I don't know much about McLean, to be honest, but I do hear good things. He, um, you know, my recollection of him was he was terrible early in his career. I remember him <laughs> as a rookie at Carolina. He was god-awful that year. Um, and... Um, I think since he hooked up with Rod Marinelli in Dallas the last couple of years, his play has uh, significantly improved. I wonder if he played with the great Brian Cox, if his play would have improved. Probably not to the level it did under Marinelli. There's yeah. a shot at people on Twitter for constantly gay on Brian Cox's case. Yeah, well, I, you know, people, you know, if uh, – Guys improved this year, then people will talk about how Bryant Young was the greatest thing that ever happened to the Falcons' uh, defensive line, and Brian Cox was the, the culprit of why Vic Beasley only had six, 15 and a half sacks as opposed to 21 and a half. Brian Cox is the reason why a defensive line of Croy Beerman, O.C. Mayora, Jonathan Babineau, Paul Soliai, Jonathan Mascoy, Tyson Jackson, and Stansley Baponga only had 21 sacks in a season. Just remember that. The great Stansley Maponga. <laughs> you were always high on Mapongo for no apparent. Oh, I should I should include Malachi Goodman, all 295 pounds of him that season. I don't know why they bulked him up, but that's the story of Goodman's career. Mapongo, unlike Jonathan Massacre, Mapongo mm-hmm. actually contributed when he got on the field uh, in 2014, or at least in the second half of 2014. I don't recall him contributing once while yeah. Goodman, not Goodman, Massacre took over those games against Chicago and Baltimore. After that, Massacoy refused to take over. And uh, Mapanga, go back and watch that Arizona game. They're also the same game that Cliff oh, Matthews. That Arizona pumped. game, nothing nothing matters. Everything worked that game. Nothing matters from that game. Mapanga played like six snaps, and he had like three pressures in that game. Oh, jeez. Yeah, because what I want to do in my spare time is watch the 2014 Falcons. Sure. And where can people find me on Twitter? I am at Falcfans. Alan, where can people hit you up? I'm at Alan underscore Stirk. That's A-W-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. We'll have an episode up later in the week. I'm not sure what we're going to do yet. We will get into eventually the keep or let go 
tradition we do every year involving every free agent. So we will get to that probably next week. We'll figure out what we're going to do for the upcoming episode that we'll give you either Thursday or Friday. Yep. So, and that, oh, and if you want to leave iTunes reviews, I've noticed we haven't gotten any, which is a little disappointing, but hey, whatever. It's the off season. People are still recovering from the Super Bowl debacle. So if you want to leave us a review, we'll definitely get to it. Yes, and uh, submit those questions on Twitter as well to Locked On Falcons, uh, the show's Twitter handle, and uh, we should be able to get to those at the end of this week as well. Yeah, sounds good. We'll see you guys back later in the week. See you guys. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.